budgeting, cash flow, and investing don't have to be scary words. The We Talk Sense podcast is here to help you learn more about money and take control of your personal finances. The We Talk Sense podcast is not a financial advisor. This podcast is made for entertainment and educational purposes only. All information shared is of a general nature and does not take into account your personal situation. You should consider whether the information is appropriate for your needs and where appropriate, seek professional advice from a financial advisor. For more information, please check out wemoney.com.au slash disclaimer. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 21 of We Talk Sense, a podcast presented by We Money. I am your host, Blaze, a recovering spenderholic. And we're joined by Dan Javevsky, the finance guru himself. How are you going, Dan? I'm doing great, Blaze. How are you? Look, I'm pretty good, Dan. I'm pretty good. Today's episode I'm very excited about because we are talking about saving money if you don't have much to save. So if you're one of those people that's going, yes, I need to save money, but I'm sick of everyone telling me to stop buying coffee and make my coffee at home because even that, I'm not even doing that. I need to save small amounts and I really need help out of a place where I've got very little money to begin with, then this is the episode for you. Do you remember our very first guest on the episode, uh, Dan? Cast your mind back to episode one. I do. I do. I remember we, um, for all the listeners, our very, very first podcast recording was in a professional studio. Uh, Blaze and I recorded the podcast now from home. And we got to speak with Aussie debt-free girl, M, and it was an absolutely amazing insight into the way that this fearless woman living in Queensland has navigated through her life, through the ups and downs. And I think today's episode, I guess we're in a treat on, to your point, Blaze, let's get rid of all the stigma around people who can't get ahead, uh, even with a small amount. And I think M is the absolute exemplary individual that has been through so many challenges that can help inspire us all into taking baby steps to get ahead. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, for sure. But before we get into our chat with M, the Aussie debt-free girl, let's talk about the news. If you don't want to listen to anything about the news, totally fine. Skip ahead a couple of minutes. But Dan, what in the media has caught your attention this week about money? Well, Blaze, I think one of the really big pieces of information was the RBA uh, keeping rates on hold. And uh, for those who don't know, the first Tuesday of every single month, the RBA gets together and talks about whether they should increase rates, leave rates where they are, or even decrease rates. Uh, today, in Australia, the cash rate of the RBA is 0.01%, the lowest on record ever in Australia's 200-year history. And the really important thing for borrowers to note is that we are in a real period of time, which is unusual. Typically, rates sort of hover around the 3 to 4 to 5% mark, but this is really unprecedented in terms of where we are. And the one thing that came out of the announcement from the RBA today is they are paying extra attention on inflation. And inflation is the measure of uh, what things are worth or assets are worth or groceries or fuel or electricity prices. And they're keeping a really eagle-eye view on what's happening in particular with the property market because right now what we're seeing, those is that anybody who is willing and able to get a mortgage to buy a home is buying a home. And we're seeing a run-up in property prices in Melbourne, in Sydney, to other levels. For example, the median property price in Sydney now is a million 
$161,000. Oh, my gosh. 4.8%. A million bucks. Oh, my goodness. That just that just scares me to think about who's getting mortgages at, um, at, uh, at those levels. And in Melbourne, it's up 4.2% with a median price of $830,000. So things are really heating up in the property market. That's absurd. I remember being a child and going, if I have a million dollars, I'll have my dream house. And, you know, I had an aquarium in my bedroom and I had a lift and a diving platform and I was thinking of all of these crazy things and just to think how skewed my understanding of money was. A million dollars sounds like a lot of money, but if it's just if it's the average or the median house price of a property in Sydney, that is that's unbelievable. Something in the news that caught my attention this week, Dan, was um do you know that Woolworths was doing a trial of cashless stores in some cities, in some stores? No. No, tell me more. So well, this is this really interested me because Woolworths was doing cashless stores in the metro areas since in some cities' metro areas, so in Melbourne and Sydney in particular, their metro stores were not accepting cash as a form of payment. And this started in June last year. So I wonder if that was, you know, um, interlaced with the the drive for card payments to be the only type of payments due to co- the spread of COVID and whatnot. But, um, yeah, they decided that this week, well, last week, they were ditching it and um, allow people paying with cash to make purchases at these stores. And, yeah, it just I found this really fascinating. It sort of it reminded me of our chat with Joel Kandaya from The History of Money, who's obviously really passionate about currency and money and um, seeing, yes, the number of cash payments has dropped significantly, especially due to COVID, but it's not become obsolete and Woolworths doing the um, – I feel like them doing cashless stores is a little bit ahead of the time, you know. It's a little bit you can't sit with us. It's a little bit you can't shop with us unless you have a card. So interesting to see that they dropped it. And I actually found some stats from um, Ilian. Cash spending since COVID started has dropped by 32%. Card spending, surprisingly, has actually dropped by 7% since COVID started. But do you know what's increased by 22% since COVID happened? Tell me, boys. I think you can guess, Dan. What do you think? What area of spending has increased since COVID hit? It's contentious. I, I think I know what it is now. Buy now, pay later. Of course, of course. It is. Of course, it it's is. buy now, yep. pay later. Um, it makes a lot of sense, Blaze, because we, we really think about it. If we're sitting at home and we can't go out and we want to buy stuff and we ordinarily be going out to the shops and we're you know now looking at things and you know doom scrolling on um, e-commerce websites – and that little logo comes up with Afterpay or Zip um, or others, I think now more than ever, people have just become so habituated on thinking, this is now my alternate way of paying. Like it has to have one of these providers for me to go in there and actually buy something. And if it doesn't, then uh, I'm probably not going to buy from that merchant. So, yeah, it's really fascinating. What's your what's your take on the blows? My thought is, yes, so we saw lots of people addiction their credit cards um, in the last couple of years, especially since the start of COVID. I wonder if Buy Now, Pay Later has become more popular because a lot of people lost their jobs, had reduced hours, reduced income, a lot of people going on to JobSeeker or JobKeeper, which is not a huge amount of money. So I'm wondering if people were turning to Buy Now, Pay Later because of the, because of the payments and that you're not having to cough, cough all the money up at once. So I wonder if that made the buy now pay later services more enticing because you don't have to pay 80 bucks at once you can go 20 one week 20 the next fortnight 20 the fortnight after that etc 
So, yeah, interesting to see the growth. And I can't really say I'm surprised, but I was surprised to see card payments go down by 7%. So, yeah, it's very interesting. It will be weird to see where we are in another year and if that if those stats have changed at all. My prediction, Blaze, it's here to stay and it's only going to increase. Uh, I think the other chart uh, that I've seen recently is the number of credit card transactions going down and then looking at the number of buy now, pay later transactions increasing. And it's almost like a one-to-one offset. For one less mm. credit card transaction, you get one more buy now, pay later transaction. I think it is here to stay. It'll be interesting to see how it all unpacks in the next year and beyond. Yeah, let's see how it rolls out. Now, let's get into our chat with Emily, the Aussie debt-free girl. Are you ready to learn how to save when you've got very little in the bank, Dan? I'm strapping myself in. Let's do it, Blaze. Dan. Blaze. Why did you start We Money? Why do we start We Money? Uh, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty big question. Um, look, the... The arc of my sort of life has been in financial services professionally for the last sort of 13 odd years, but I think it actually it goes way before that. And this was only a realization that I came to probably only around, I would say, a year and a half ago, is that uh, my early childhood, so parents were immigrants, the classic $100 sort of story, came to this country with nothing but the clothes in your back and 100 bucks in your back pocket. And then I saw my parents really struggle through life really up until our teens until we sort of got to high school and some of these really sort of formative stories which I'm sure a lot of other people have gone through like remembering going to the shops and we used to walk like 35 minutes to get to the shops down a hill and then I remember going up the hill it was like an hour between me and my sister and my mum and we were carrying our shopping but the thing that the thing that really sort of etched into my mind was when my mum went to the shops she would only go to the clearance rack to buy food. So we never actually went down the aisles. We would go get mm. a carton of milk and then we would go to the um, to the rack that had all the discounts with all the fluoro stickers on there on things sort of only with a day left uh, before they went off. And I think that, that sort of real formative uh, part of my early life, that sort of extended into um, you know, growing up as a little kid and then a teenager and then sort of beyond. Um, but it really didn't become evident until sort of recently and having the experience of working at banks, uh, working at other financial institutions, and sort of seeing that really the, 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 the cards are stacked against people in a lot of ways in life. And I think we Money is doing a little small part to make that more equitable for a lot more people. And I think, like I've always said before, the we and we Money is a community of people coming together and helping us uh, all get ahead together and learn about money. I don't think there's ever going to be a, a, like a ground truth of like a individual or some guru uh, that um, that comes from an organization that tells you what the right thing to do is in life. I think we're all going through this really deeply personal financial journey ourselves. And the best way to learn about that is actually through other people that share their own personal stories. And then we can seek inspiration to make amendments in our life. And I, I call this sort of passing the baton. Everything that we learn about our, our life and managing money we're literally passing the baton to generations that come after us so they can improve their own financial well-being and hopefully live a better life. And that really is the essence of we Money. Yes, there's features. Yes, there's buttons that you can click on the app. But that that's effectively what we want to create is a, is a more equitable uh, financial future for people so they can get ahead. Dan, I've known you for many years now and I didn't know... That's what you're – I knew you were passionate about helping people with money, which is why why we work together. 
But I didn't know that story about your 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 parents and 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 you know making ends meet when you were when you were young. So thanks for sharing. Oh, no worries. The, the reason we um the reason I ask is because today's episode we are having a bit of a different focus because you know in the past we've talked a lot about investing and we've had loads of incredible guests with incredible investments and jaw dropping net worths that are super super enviable but we know like I know not everyone's there not everyone makes enough money to put cash aside for savings or feel like they can plan ahead. So like I get it. I've definitely been there. As you've just shared, you've been there. Um, there's been many times when I've had to to, you know, fill up my car with the silver coins that I've found in in <laughs> in my ashtray or many times when I first moved out of home having to call my parents and rely on them for money just so I could afford groceries because of my situation at the time. So Maybe this is you. Maybe at the moment you don't have, you've got, you know, $2 in your bank account. Maybe you don't have time to start a side hustle or maybe you've had a sudden change to your circumstances and you've got nothing in your bank account and you're having to buy groceries or dog food using Afterpay. So that's why I thought we'd focus on frugal living. So if you're super broke or even if you're making plenty of cash, I think there's always better habits or better ways of living that you can adopt to save money, live frugally, whether you're earning nothing or a lot. Today's guest to share her story is a woman on a mission to achieve financial independence. She's a 29-year-old stay-at-home mum who's kicking some serious money goals in the debt-free community. You probably recognize her from her Aussie Debt-Free Girl Instagram or maybe her Facebook page, YouTube channel, blog, her own podcast, or even because she was the very first guest we had on our own podcast, and it's lovely to have her back. Now, she inspires her followers with her creative frugality and positive outlook, and she's also achieved some seriously impressive milestones in her time, including paying off over 60k in debt in under five years and side hustling more than $4,000 in January. She's our first ever repeat guest, and it's a pleasure to have her back. So let us welcome friend of the show, Emily, the Aussie Debt Free Girl. How are you, Emily? I'm really good. I'm really happy to be back. <laughs> We're so excited to have you back, Emily. What a treat. So, Emily, last time you joined us at the show, you um, we heard your story about money, meeting um, your partner, falling in love, uh, and then to find out you're in eyeballs of debt and then turning your life around, getting really strict with budgeting, and getting back on track and, you know, paying off that huge amount of debt in five years. Um, but what was life like for you before this? And uh, would you mind sharing your story with us? Yeah. Um, well, my parents were middle class, upper middle class, really normal. But unfortunately, I was on my own a lot. I lived on my own from 13 until 15. And then I was kicked out at 18. So... I've always managed my own money. I've always put my own goals first and I've always understood the power of compound interest and that only I can change my situation. Um, it really became, it really became important when I was 21. I was living with my partner of four years at the time when we found out I was nine weeks pregnant 
And by 12 weeks, all of my stuff was in a storage unit and I was couch surfing and sleeping on blow-up mattresses in share houses, trying to save what little money I could to prepare for my son. And I stayed couch surfing and doing all of those things and just trying to get by on New new Start, which was $400 a fortnight, which is ridiculous, (laughs) until I was 36 weeks pregnant. And then I was in a women's shelter until I was 39 weeks pregnant. And I finally got a house to bring my son home to. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I'm a little emotional there. It's weird. Um, uh, take as much time as you need, and that's um, that's that's a what a story. Um, from there, I had a small amount of savings that I had to then get a cot and get all of the things that I had to prepare for a baby. And by a small amount of savings, I mean like six hundred dollars. And I think we all know that six hundred dollars, when it comes to preparing and having a baby, doesn't go very far. So I planned for every meal, I planned for every expense, and I really put that money to work. I was a single mum with my son for two years, living in a housing commission house, saving and making sure that there was no debt, no anything, um, until my now fiancé came along and we built the rest of it together and paid off all of that debt and became the lower middle class sort of family we are now. And I see so many people struggling the way I struggled. And I see that there is no education out there. There is no help or support. And new start isn't enough to live, no matter what anybody says. And as much as people think single parenting is quite a lot of money, it's not. Emily, that is an absolutely amazing story, and I could only imagine what your life would have been like as you transitioned from, um, you know, thinking about your life changing. I mean, even just the story around you um, couch surfing while pregnant just sent chills down my spine thinking about how that experience would have been like for you, and then thinking about putting one foot after the other to get ahead. And I think what's really remarkable about your story and having sort of known you for a while is that the resilience that you have around uh, when life gets at you, you always seem to bounce back. And that, that story is something that, that I didn't know about you personally. And uh, we, we want to thank you for sharing that because I think that a lot of other people around Australia um, go through all these situations, but they're often not talked about. And the fact that you've shared that with us today, I think is incredible to allow people to know, you know what? A lot of people live like this, and if we're going to uh, change the situation, more people need to talk about it. So that's really awesome. Yeah, Emily, thank you for sharing. It's you know, I had it. I had an inkling because you know we've we discussed in the past a, a little bit about what how your past was, but I had no idea that it was so intense, and that would have been must have been so difficult for you. Um, you're pretty much. I mean, with a pursuit of happiness, fantastic movie. That could be you. Move over, Will Smith. You, the way that you've overcome such a difficult situation, and now you're thriving, and and you're really leading. You're you're a leader in the in the debt free community. It's incredible that you you know you've overcome so much, and now you're willing to share and help and to to educate others. Emily, what, how, when you were in this situation when you were living off 
an absolute pittance each fortnight. How, how what did you do to get by? What what are some practical tips for for if you're really struggling and you really have no money? What what are the things that you can do to make just a little bit of extra money or make your money stretch further? Um, know your budget, look at your spending, your bills, and be ruthless. What is absolutely essential for you to live? Like diapers and wipes are essential if you have a small child or you have a baby. But is Netflix, if you're really that broke, is Netflix an essential um, public transport? Making sure that you're walking and, and saving money wherever you can, turning the lights off at the walls, just those things that we all know and talk about, but they're no longer options. They're just what you have to do to live. Paying your bills earlier on time, you can't afford a late fee. Breaking those bills down to paydays and being like, okay, how am I going to make sure that all of my bills are paid this month? How is this going to work doing the math? Following others who are living frugally and who talk about it, which is a big, a big thing. Not a lot of people talk about it. And I'm really trying to break the sort of the stigma on that as well and show real people doing it. Not, nothing against the people that make, you know, $130,000 a year and, you know, fly in, fly out workers that make these big, big amounts of money, but showing that you can do it on 30,000 a year, 40,000, 50,000, 20,000. Um, so following those people and even if just, just having that sort of drip fed to you and feeling inspired and, and picking up things along the way can really help and reassure you because a lot of the time it can feel crushing. The responsibility can feel just suffocating and it helps. Setting clear financial goals. It can be as simple as being ahead on my bills this month, starting an emergency fund, even if it's a hundred dollars making an extra $10 this week. Do your research, take advantage of rewards programs and offers and stack things in a certain way that you get the most bang for every dollar you're spending. That should be your biggest focus is that any dollar that I part with, I want it to work really hard for me because we are working really, really hard to get ahead. Hoping for the best, but planning for the worst, so setting goals and making your budget strict, paying yourself first, any savings, even if it's $10, $5 a week, anything helps. Having a plan and then a backup plan and then a backup plan on that because things are going to go wrong, especially when you're so close to that sort of poverty line. It's not set up for you to easily get out of. It's a trap. You need to ground and, and, and kick and bite and fight to get out of it. Keeping a stockpile or starting a stockpile, grabbing, you know, two-minute noodles when they're cheap. Sometimes in the beginning I did just eat two-minute noodles for a week to try and get ahead. I'm not saying do that. That's not exactly healthy. But sometimes you have to we do love what you've got to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Noodle omelette is the best. So cheap and so delicious. <laughs> But yeah, those are the kinds of things that you have to do. You have to think about in the beginning, but eventually it becomes your entire life. You don't think about them. You automatically turn the light off when you go into a room or leave a room. You take shorter showers. You look only for those clearance and discount items or those specials. You'll walk 
an extra kilometer to get a better deal. Emily, you said paying yourself first was one of the things you can do. What do you what do you mean by that? I mean, if you have a strict budget, making paying all of those bills, but also if I've set aside, you know, it's ten dollars this week that is left over and is for me and for my goals and my savings, that ten dollars goes into a separate account and I don't look at it, I don't touch it. It's a last resort. That's so important. And we do talk about that with bigger amounts and just in general in the frugal and money communities. But I think it's even more important when you're living so close to that line that that $10 can make a real difference. $10 is milk, bread, and a packet of eggs. And with that, you can feed your family if you have to. It's it's such a reality for most people. When we we think about it in in the context of Australia, what people, what I didn't know actually before researching this topic is that actually one in eight Australians would would be considered living either at or below the poverty line, which is really a stark figure when you really think about Australians living in a very developed Western economy and the fact that um, there's that many people around Australia that sort of go through this. I think some of the tips that you've just shared there, Emily, um, can really help people understand uh, their situation and help them um, help them get ahead. If you were to say, like, because I think your journey has been more around, well, has just has been a journey, right? It's it's been you learning and uncovering all this information along the way. Where would you recommend sort of people that identify with with maybe the things that you've spoken about about their current situation? What's the very first thing that they do at a very sort of practical level to get them into this mindset um, which you're in, which is living frugally, sort of day by day? Uh, I, I think for me, I, I speak for myself personally, but I often feel like I need like a spark or something to ignite me to to get into this method. But where would you say that people can can first start, uh, Emily, to to get involved and get started? I think a lot of people, when you're first in this situation or when you've been living like this for so long, um, it can feel really hopeless and it can feel like you you can't see a way out. There's no light at the end of the tunnel, like you were talking about, no spark. So I think the first thing you need to do is take a deep breath and give yourself a little bit of grace and that you haven't, like, you haven't done this, even if you have. You, this is where you are, this is where you start, and this is the beginning. This is not where you're ending. You're not going to be stuck this way forever. So take a deep breath. And then I personally, if I was looking to be motivated, I would go to Instagram. I'm a very visual person, so I like to be able to just, stalk and see and lurk in the background and just sort of absorb and see what works. The other thing is see what works for you. You can see hundreds of different savings challenges and different ways people do this. Just try, pick a few that seem like they work for you. Try them. Keep what works. Get rid of the rest. No one's going to, no one's going to judge you. No one is offended. You need to work out what's right for you because personal finance is just that personal. So I would find some inspiration and then I would sit down and I would make a budget. And I mean, make a real budget, starting with, you know, rent, food, the basics, and then adding the rest on and then seeing how far your money goes and start cutting things, start comparing bills and insurances and all of that and seeing where you can get a better deal, more value for your money, really squeezing like blood from a stone. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's amazing. It's so, so, it's so interesting. I think you need that initial spark of confidence that may come from things like Instagram. My personal favorite, actually, Amy, has been your grocery hauls and just seeing how much you save <laughs> and all presented on one screen because I think a lot of people, they get so tempted to go into the shops and they always um, you know, over overspend because it's very tempting to do so. And I think your, um, your inspo on really bringing home like a lot of food and then seeing how you can creatively create meal preps, I think that's um, that certainly inspired me. But you're you're totally right on your point on um, starting somewhere and looking at your spending because that really is where the where, where the understanding and reckoning comes from from individuals to understand how they live uh, sort of week to week and how they can take control of their budgets. And that's something that's that we've talked about here on the show and, and has been mentioned uh, quite quite frequently. And uh, I think that what you just said there is absolutely the first place where people uh, should start is looking at your own backyard and seeing where, where the money goes to and then understanding how you might be able to to save on some of these things. That's awesome. It's such a fundamental and it's the easiest thing I think you can do and it gives you control. It makes you feel like you're in control and that's what you're lacking in a lot of these situations. You don't feel like you're in control. You feel like you're at the mercy of the next emergency, the next thing that's going to go wrong, the next paycheck, you you are kind of then just going with the flow and there's nothing that's going to get you out of that other than you focusing and making a plan and I think tracking your spending is so important and from there you could do a no-spend week, you could not go and get groceries for one week and see see how far you can make things go and what you really need to live and to live well. Before I forget, Emily, this is one other thing that I was really inspired by, which is shopping in your own pantry. <laughs> I was going to say that. Tell me if this happens to you guys or, or um, certainly Emily, um, that's where I got inspired by. But you know when the thought about, oh, shit, I've got to go to the shops, right? I've got to, I've got to go to the shops because I've got to buy more stuff to put in the fridge. But then when you really think about it, you haven't gone to the crevices of your pantry or opened up the cupboards and had a look at all the things that you could potentially create a meal with. And I've done, I've done that so many times now where we try and deplete absolutely everything in the household or combinations of things before we have to go to the shops. And it serves two purposes. Uh, I'm sure, Emily, this, this is where the uh, inspiration comes from. But the amount of meals that you can make with the things that are already in your home is just phenomenal. And, and it avoids those two to three shops which could be $100, $200 there, which is huge money when you when you really think about it. So that's um that's another way that that I've that I've personally been following your journey, Emily, and made a practical change in my life. That's awesome. I'm so hmm. happy to have inspired you. That's why I do what I do to show people that normal everyday people, that mum around the corner, that neighbour next door can do this. And just little things that they can do that don't hurt too much. <laughs> Em, I love your um, I love your shopping your own pantry as well. And if if you want to know what we're talking about, you should head to Em's uh, Instagram, which we'll share at the end. You make some incredible meals, and it reminds me of that awesome show that was on TV where Aristos would come up to you in the shopping centre and make a meal out of whatever was in your shopping cart at the moment that he approaches you. And um, Emily, you just in you, you remind me of Aristos going to your pantry and just making something incredible out of. The, the random things that you found in your pantry. So maybe you could have your own TV show <laughs> with Aristos <laughs> in the future. We'll see. <laughs> and I, I would like to know, when 
when you are, you know, when you are super broke, is it still important to save? And when you were in, when when you were struggling, were you still saving? And how can you do it if you are, if you do have such little cash flow coming in? Yes, yes, it is important to save as long as you're paying your bills and you know, you're you're not getting yourself into debt to do so. So I had zero debt. I made sure I never had any debt because it's it's a real slippery slope and you just get into a debt cycle where you pay off the debt and then you're short again so you have to take more debt out and that interest and all that. You can't afford to pay that kind of interest. So I started saving, you know, $5 left over from this pay, $10 left over from that or I'm not going to go shopping this week and I'm going to put that grocery money minus, you know, $10 for milk and bread into my savings. And after doing that for a year, I had $1,400 saved, which isn't a lot when you break it down (laughs) over a year, but it's what I could do. And it meant that when things did go wrong, I could then just pay myself, pay for that, and then slowly re get get it back up so I'm not doing what I saw everybody else around me doing, taking out advances, taking out payday loans, pawning things. That is un it's unachievable. You can't live like that. It's designed for you to fail, especially if you're living on such a low income. It's a trap and they feel like they couldn't avoid it. And I understand that. I completely understand that. But I wanted to make sure that I could give my child the best life I possibly could and that we could live a better life because I knew it was possible and I was going to prove that it was possible and show these other people around me who were trapped in this this cycle, this sort of poverty cycle, that you can do it. And while I'm not super-duper successful or super-duper rolling in the cash, I feel like... I've done that. I've brought my family from housing commission and new start and single parenting and going and getting um, food parcels and worrying about the next bill and all of that to a place where we have money in our bank account. We can buy groceries. I can pay for school expenses. If there is an emergency tomorrow, I can cover it or very close to cover it. Um, and I have taught my children, I believe, that what you can do, you just have to do it yourself because no one's going to do it for you, especially if you're in that poverty situation. No one no one wants to help. The, the resources just aren't there. Um, yeah, yeah, so inspiring. Like I'm so I'm so impressed. It's so it's so lovely talking to you. You have worked so hard and you have been so dedicated and made so many sacrifices to commit yourself to bringing yourself above the poverty line and doing putting your family first and putting your son first, which is in- incredible. So so well done. And am I, I'd like to go back to the topic, to what you just mentioned before about um, avoiding the temptation to take out a payday loan or um, using buy now pay later products why how did you avoid that temptation and why was it important to do so if someone's listening right now thinking oh I don't have enough money to get by maybe I'll just take out a loan or a quick loan or borrow some cash or why is it important 
for you, why was it important for you to avoid that? Because it's it's a complete they're not out to help you. They're not there to help you. They know that you can't pay it back. They know that they are going to make their money on you. They, that's why they target people that are on Centrelink, people that are lost their jobs. They target you. And the average payday loan um, interest is something ridiculous. It's something like 50% or more. It's If you can't afford whatever it is you can't afford, how are you going to afford to pay it back plus that interest? It's there designed for you to fail. It's there designed for you to have to take out another one to pay off the first one. And then suddenly you're in this deep spiral that you, that you just can't survive from. This is how people go bankrupt while on Centrelink. That's ridiculous and it shouldn't be like that, but it is. And while I don't necessarily advocate for people to use Afterpay. I would prefer someone to use Afterpay if they really needed it rather than, say, going and getting a payday loan from Cashies or pawning something because it's not designed to help you. It's designed for you to fail. I think you need to be able to build up enough that you can help yourself because nobody else is going to help you. That's a very good point. And uh, the, the temptation for people to supplement living with debt is obviously not a not a reality that people really want to get themselves into. So that that's very good. And, and sometimes uh, the the way that uh, people understand their situations uh, when it comes to needing a quick fix, the temptation is always there to get yourself into a situation which can be long-term unsustainable. That's a very, very good point, uh, Emily, that, that you've touched on. Uh, which I think for a lot of people right now are kind of considering uh, it's almost it's almost a lifestyle for some people. Some people see that as the, the natural way of sort of living their lives. Um, but when you add in all the fees and interest that you've just talked about, I mean, yeah, that's that's a lot of money. That's sort of leaving your um, uh, your ability to get ahead. So that that is super important. Is there any other bad money advice that you would give them that didn't work or do you think that should be avoided? Um, I was given so much bad money advice (laughs) and I was also offered by these charities and companies to help manage my money because I was on Centrelink and because I was, you know, struggling. But when the ones that, the reputable ones I spoke to just basically said, there's nothing we can do for you. You don't have the income and you manage, I, I don't know how you manage the money you have to do what you do. So... I think that a lot of these companies, um, they, they're, they're in, you gotta think what they're in it for. Even charities, they are there to help those people that are really, really overspending. They're, they're not the people that generally are looking for this. They're the people that are looking for help and looking to get out and looking to get a better life rather than, you know, buy the new PS5 and, buy the newest thing and buy, you know, a brand new new Commodore and all of those things. Those aren't the people, those are the people that they're looking to help. Those are the people that they're trying to change, but they're not the people that are looking for help. It's a lot of it is debt can is financing a lifestyle that you can't afford. And if you're on Centrelink, you need to be, you know, living on a Centrelink budget and living a Centrelink lifestyle rather than 
you know, trying to live a champagne lifestyle on a beer budget because that that gap in the middle has to be covered somewhere. And if you're using those schemes, payday loans, giant car loans, getting a brand new a new car when you're on Centrelink, those things just aren't in the cards. You need to look at your situation realistically and remember that if you're borrowing money to cover those expenses, you're robbing your future self. You're robbing that person in five years who could have been in a much better situation without all of that debt and all of that interest because that interest, you pay interest on that interest and you pay interest on those fees. And even if you have the best intentions that, oh, I'm just going to put it in for a week and then, you know, I'll pay it off and I'll never do it again. No, you're setting a precedent. You're, you're showing yourself and giving yourself the easy way out. Emily, you are serving a reality check here. Not, <laughs> not, the, uh, not, not the payday check that we're looking for, the reality check, but it, it's, it's right. And something you mentioned goes to saying Dan has mentioned multiple times. It's getting yourself into debt is robbing your future self. So it what might feel might seem good or, or so what might seem necessary or good for right now can really be affecting your future self. And do you want to be p- putting yourself in a situation that you might end up worse for wear or worse off because of your decisions today? Exactly. Compound interest works both ways. Before we wrap up, I would love to understand how important is mindset and how do you keep so positive? Well, if I'm not going to be positive and I'm not going to do it, no one's going to do it for me. So I'm just doing everything I can to take care of my family and to teach them to be better and to make it so that my daughter and my son are never in the position that I was in. Um, That is such a fantastic answer. And I know this is a podcast, so no one can see our faces, but when you said no one else is going to do it for you and you've got to do it yourself, Dan and I both got a massive grin on our face. So I think we're both in complete agreement with you there, right, Dan? Absolutely. No, that's uh, so spot on. I think your, your, your message, Emily, has been around self-empowerment and inspiring other people to then uh, make it a reality so they can change their lives. And I think that's what we all need is that spark of inspiration that we talked about at the top of the episode uh, on just getting involved. Everything starts off with that initial spark falling in love with a romantic partner, getting inspired about a hobby, doing anything in life starts somewhere. And I think your positive attitude that you bring, Emily, is enough for anybody to be inspired around taking control of their own their own, uh, their own own situations, which is absolutely awesome. Uh, where can our listeners find more about you? The main place I am on the internet is Instagram. <laughs> um, I'm there every day. I post pretty much every day. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Facebook. If you just Google Aussie Debt Free Girl, you'll probably find me. (laughs) Awesome. Emily, thank you so much for joining us once again, friend of the show of We Talk Sense podcast. It was a pleasure to have you back and thank you so much for being so open and raw with us about such a difficult topic and, and yeah, we really appreciate you joining us and sharing your story and, and inspiring us and our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Em. See ya. Thanks, Emily. If anything about today's episode with Emily brought up any strong emotions and you felt like you need to get help from somebody, we've left some links in the show notes on how you can access things like Lifeline and other support networks to get you through a situation that you might be in. (laughs) 
This podcast is produced by Wee Money. Blaze, what are some of the things that you've seen recently in the Wee Money app that's caught your eye? Well, one of the functions I actually really like about the app is the Wee Money community, which is essentially Instagram but for money. So people share, you know, their finance tips and hacks or if they've got a really good deal lately, your ways that they save on money. And I actually made a post recently because I'm going to a wedding in a couple of weeks' time and I need to get accommodation and address and, you know, all the sorts of things that come with going being a wedding guest. So I posted in the community asking for advice and someone actually reached out to me personally and gave me their tips on buying clothes because I'm obviously really tempted. You know, I'm a recovering spendolic. I really <laughs> want to buy something new, but I know I shouldn't because it's not really aligning with my money goals if I'm buying a dress that I can wear once off, you know. So, um, yeah, someone reached out in the community and said, this is the list they go through when they're tempted to buy clothes. Number one, can you wear it to work? Now, I work remotely, so I can wear whatever I would like to work, but I don't know if this beautiful pink silk dress that I'm really tempted to buy is the most appropriate for work. So that's her first question. The second question she asks herself is, is it vacation-only clothing, which she still can't wear to work? And you know what? (laughs) I would say this is the dress that I want is vacation-only clothing. I could still wear it to work because I work remote, but I probably wouldn't. So I'm going to say that as a no. Um... Three, is there anything else you should be spending your money on? And I think this is the decider question for me because I still, like, I really want to buy this dress, Dan. Don't get me wrong. I really want to. But asking yourself that question, is there anything else you should be spending your money on? And realizing, yes, you know what? I'm trying to save because I I think I want to buy a house in the near future. I think, you know, the money that could go on this dress could actually have a much better impact for my financial goals if I saved it, borrowed a dress from a friend and put that money towards a deposit instead. So that's a benefit I got out of the Wee Money community. And personally, I just love it. It's a really great place to share thoughts, ideas and get really helpful advice like that because now I have a checklist to go through when I'm making purchases. That is absolutely incredible, Blaze, and that's so amazing that that community spirit of people sharing their hints and tips has practically paid off for you. That is awesome news. Yeah, it's awesome. As I'm sure you know, listening, We Money does sponsor this podcast. It is produced by We Money. So if you'd like to give the free finance app a go, you can get it in all the regular places you download your apps. And if you use the referral code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, you'll even get $5 on sign up. Thanks for listening to the We Talk Sense podcast. We'll be back again for another instalment of Money News. Don't forget, if you'd like to take control of your finances or get a full picture of your financial health, you can download the free We Money app, and I'll even check a link to it in the show notes um, so you can check it out. And if you want to get in touch with us for absolutely anything, feedback about the show, guests that you want to see on, or any topics that you want us to cover, hit us up on Instagram at GetWeMoney. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will be back next week. Have a good one. See ya. See ya.